Welcome to STEM Inform, the center of creativity, the intersection between technology and youth, all hosted by Team 5421, Armed and Dangerous. STEM informed and today we have Sean, Art, and JJ. And today we'll be talking about STEM in the professional world and how it relates to us and our team. And uh, we have Hamey Alamon finally here from JRC and uh, we have a couple questions for you Hamey. So oh, glad to be here. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay um, so first of all can you tell us about your experience in the STEM field like uh, how long you've worked at JRC and what what do you do? Yes, I can. I've been there for about 10 years, uh, and we do various system engineering uh, support work for the U.S. Navy. And before that, I was uh, w working with aircraft, or um, in particular, air crew escape systems, so ejection seats and those kinds of things. And in my experience with the, within that field uh, was been very rewarding, uh, very challenging, uh, a lot of different kind of work, uh, especially coming out from school, you uh, end up going from a lot of uh, doing hands-on uh, equations and calculations and applying a lot of the concepts you learn in math and physics and to the work field, which is, I'm guessing, another question you might have later down the line, so I can talk yeah. more about that. Yeah. So, no doubt you have a lot of experience working with teams and whatnot. Um, what do you feel, in your experience with the STEM uh, professional world, the most important value, the most important uh, quality that a STEM team can have? The most important quality, I. I would say communication is probably uh, where a lot of, uh, in particular, uh, I, I, at least in my field, is uh, through email. Uh, people like to do a lot of email, uh, and it's difficult to get people's tones and and uh, reactions, and uh, and there's can be a lot of miscommunication. Uh, and I, I think it's sometimes easier to just call or have a meeting face-to-face yeah. -face with people mm -hmm. if it's possible rather than doing things through email. And that helps your understanding and communication so much that, you know, it can save you a lot of time and wasted uh, 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 resources and just, you know, frustration and things like that. So I think that's one of the most valuable uh, things you that it – uh, at least a good STEM team can have. Yeah, no, I definitely yeah. agree. Yeah. Is there anything you see that young people need to improve on with the engineering design process? Uh, in, in our field, uh, I believe, so if you work in the classified field, um, there, and especially in, in aerospace, there is a difficulty in getting information to younger folks when they come on board. Mm -hmm. So uh, having the uh, availability of information, you, you guys are all used to going going on the internet and finding what you need very quickly. Yeah. Yeah. But <laughs> when you go to a job, uh, some places just don't have that capability. You know, you, you're trying to find a document so you can read something and do your job. You might It might be on someone's hard drive or it might be in some 
database that you might not have access to and only a few people know that it's there and you have to go through several gates before you actually find what you need and and that can be a lot of frustration and wasted time just to you know someone that's starting the job that's uh that's uh can be a very difficult thing to to do and and uh also not having a, a, the your phone available all the time mm-hmm. uh, and things like that in the cleared sector so that those are like i think things that you know if you work at google or something or microsoft you might just have access to your phone 100 percent of the time while you work but in the cleared sector you have to lock it up and you have less tools available sometimes that you, you don't have at other work environments mm. hopefully that answers your question yeah no that that answered yeah. it perfectly um so what is a uh, one piece of advice that you would give to people our age that want to get into the stem field uh you mentioned earlier um that you need a lot of the technical skills that you learn in school uh, math and science but uh, could you elaborate on that and yeah yeah, yeah the um the, the stem field is, is it's always a uh it changes so much uh even in small amount of times and, and i think it's only going to do that even more uh your change is going to be more rapid i think uh as as you guys start going to college and graduate and uh and i, I just listening from the experts the machine learning and artificial intelligence i think is going to kind of become a catalyst to that and you know you you might see uh jobs being replaced with some of that stuff in the future i'm not saying like engineering or math jobs but um you know there's probably going to be a big transition for people to to use machine uh learning and artificial intelligence similar to like how everybody wanted a Facebook page not too long ago when every business wanted to create a Facebook page. And before that it was every business wanted an internet uh, address and things like that. I I think uh, a lot of businesses are going to start in the next five years or so start going, Oh, we need to apply machine learning to whatever we're doing to improve cost and efficiency, process efficiency and uh, increase revenue and things like that. So Mm -hmm. for you guys that are, you guys are kind of ahead of a lot of people where oh, yeah. you are in through robotics. Uh, you're learning a lot of this through Python, but um, yeah, if you can get involved in, uh, you know, a lot of this uh, NumPy and uh, TensorFlow and a lot of these different frameworks that are out mm-hmm. there for machine learning and artificial intelligence, whether it's uh, natural language processing or any of those subfields of machine learning, um, you know, it's just try to dig in there and see what applications and, and things like that. Cause right now it's very difficult for people, businesses to get in there. You, you have to have a good knowledge of the code and, and how to apply it. And, and once you start hearing these big corporations saying, Oh, we're going to apply machine learning and artificial intelligence to it. I think, you know, that's going to, they can hire like eight, eight to 20 people just to do that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it'd be harder to compete, um, with them but if you when you graduate and if you already have those skills um you know you can easily create a company or something and say oh we have a solution for that already and then apply that uh in particular data scientists is what they're being called these days uh, doing data analysis with machine learning and things like that yeah yeah and i had this family friend who was telling me that um 
you know, his business was getting into artificial intelligence, this technology that could just, uh, you know, do tasks that would take tens of people, you know, a while to do like this. And um, it was actually really helpful for their business, you know, making efficient decisions uh, business-wise, analyzing risk. But, yeah, you made a good point there. And uh, the STEM field is constantly evolving. Um, the resources are, are constantly changing. Yeah, and, and that's uh, that, I'm not sure if that's a danger or what, but the, the difference with uh, this machine learning and artificial intelligence is that it used to be that you had to be an expert in machine learning and also an expert in whatever you were trying to apply it to. So if you were trying to find cancerous tumors uh, versus benign tumors or whatever, you have to be an expert in that and how to do the image recognition for these tumors and all that stuff and the topography and all that. But with the machine learning nowadays is that you just have to be an expert in the machine learning and you don't, you, you don't, since you're feeding the ones that are positive for cancer and the ones that are negative for cancer, that's all you need. You don't need to be an expert on it. And then it can identify those, um, those, those cancerous tumors in, in the image. So that's the big. Di- that's how, in your example, with the risk analysis, is that the people applying you know, these algorithms and the software uh, to the risk analysis, they didn't have to be experts in that field, but yeah. you know, they just have to be able to train the uh, the machines and, and and the data, get the data. No, uh, yeah, I feel like we definitely have like a lot of advantage mm-hmm. with like young young exposure to all this sort of stuff because you know we're coming up knowing a lot of that. Um, to tie it into first a little bit, um, have you heard of gracious professionalism? I, I believe only through first, and, um, and, and that's how I originally heard that phrase. Um, so do you feel that the spirit of gracious professionalism, uh, like respectful competition, wanting others to do well as well, you think that that shows a lot in the professional STEM world? Um, I, I think... Uh, it depends. It, it it's um, I think it's very personality driven. Uh, some some uh, work uh, environments promote that, and some I wouldn't say do not promote it. They just don't have policies in place, or the people they hire don't have those qualities to promote that kind of environment. Yeah. So it, it depends. Uh, I don't have a clear-cut answer. You know, it's, it's one of those things where, depending where you go to work, you have to watch for the how the company. Um, you know, it, they, if if someone says something during a meeting that's offensive and it's not gracious professionalism, how do they react to it? You know, do they say something, stop the meeting, and then pull that person on the side and say, "Hey, you know, let's." That person is a father and has children. You know, you don't don't talk about you know as in a friendly environment and productive and uh, constructive criticism, please, and you know things like that. Versus people laughing or you know carry on and you know. So so I think those are those are questions to ask in the future for you guys. You know, when you are going to job interviews, you know, so ask about the culture at your company, what values they promote, and. And, you know, you can ask, if you can, ask employees and say, hey, you know, uh, how is it, how do, how do your people take uh, con- uh, constructive criticism? Do they, you know, 
react to it in a bad way, in a good way. They thank you, you know, and things like that. Yeah. yeah. And, and also they say uh, the people you hang out with are is basically who you turn into after a while. Yeah. So if you're – if all your colleagues are, for lack of a better word, ungracious professionals and they don't practice, you know, just like the love of working with one another – and, and having competition um, in a respectful way, after a while, you're going to become like that, too. Yeah. Um, and honestly, I think that's a value that um, every STEM professional should have, is gracious professionalism. Yeah. I, have a, yes. uh, I have a little bit of a fun question. So what technological improvements do you expect to see in the near future? So we already talked about machine learning, but how do you think other technologies will be further improved and be incorporated in the professional STEM world? What do we need to prepare for, basically? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, uh, in my field, we do a lot of system engineering, and, uh, and one of the things I'm, I've been kind of working for is uh, how to apply, um, you know, a lot of these machine learning things to requirements development, because uh, engineers traditionally haven't been good at uh, uh, how would you say this in a polite way I guess they, they're, they're not good at uh, communication and in, in sense of uh, good grammar and and uh, proper English and things like that uh, with and, and I just don't mean on email but for example uh, you know you as an engineer you usually don't take a lot of English classes in college and you don't you're not writing term papers left and right uh, because that's not um, the purpose of getting an engineering degree. So mm. I, I think um, naturally when you go to develop systems, you have to write requirements and, and those are very difficult for, for a machine to do uh, because it's, it's one of the aspects that lacks a lot in the uh, professional field. And there are some guidelines of how to write proper requirements and, and, and because you need to not only be able to write requirements to so your system does what it needs to do but also uh write them in a way that they say the things that need to be done properly hmm. um and there are guidelines out there for that through system engineer organizations and if technology could help the engineer uh kind of essentially uh, uh supplement is the lack of uh, of being able to write proper requirements because it's not something they teach at school and it's it's a lot of the job learning and even if you do get a job where you get to write requirements you might have to learn from someone else's requirements that they wrote on a previous system which might not be correct so then you're learning from a bad example and then applying it to a new system and then that then you're going to get garbage or a lot of errors yeah. So, um, and this applies to software too, software development and things like that. So, um, I think if you can leverage some sort of natural language processing where, have you guys used Grammarly? Yeah, yeah. all the time. Uh, okay, so, so similar to Grammarly where you upload your requirements to it and then your machine learning uh, tells you, hey, you idiot, you wrote uh, shell statements <laughs> with, with this other... Uh, sentence or, or you have compound requirements so you got to break those into two instead of having multiple requirements in one um, 
sentence, you have to break them up individually and things like that. Uh, apply the system engineering rules of and guidelines of writing proper requirements and have the engineer learn what the rules are by example and, and the machine helping him. And so I think that will help create better systems and your projects will hopefully um, finish on time, under budget, and or at least on target and things like that. Grammarly is the future. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on and talking to us. Um, telling us about the professional STEM world because it's not too far off for all of us here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah we You're welcome. Yeah. We <laughs> hope you have a great night. Um, yeah. And thank you very much. We can't further express our appreciation. You're welcome, and have a great season, guys. I'll right. be in touch. Thank you, you too. All right, thank you so much. Bye. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that marks the end of episode two. I think we all had a very interesting time learning about STEM in the professional world. Hope you guys tune into the next episode. This is STEM Informed, signing off.